Welcome to Creepy Cases and Spooky Spaces. I'm your host, Cassiopeia. You can find new episodes every Friday available on your favorite podcast platform. Be sure to subscribe through Anchor or sign up on the Patreon page, both links are in the bio, for access to bonus episodes, early episode plays, and more. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at creepycases.spookyspaces for all news and updates. Due to the graphic nature of some of the cases and spaces featured on this show, listener discretion is advised. Happy New Year! Um, Yay, the first uh, episode of Creepy Cases and Spooky Spaces of 2022. And it's actually the first episode if you are not a subscriber or patron, because there is actually a bonus episode from this past Tuesday that is available for you to listen to if you subscribe or if you're a patron of our Patreon, um, which you can actually do. Both links are in the bio if you'd like to sign up to get early access to episodes, to get bonus content, and there's actually some thank you swag uh, if you sign up, depending on the tier that you sign up with through patron, uh, Patreon. Um, So let's go ahead and get started. I'm actually excited about this week's episode. Um, And uh, I actually wasn't sure whether to classify this week's episode as a creepy case or a spooky space because it's a little bit of both. Um, I find myself often drawn to unsolved crimes more than I am to the ones that are solved. And it's not like, it's not like they're like any better but it's just, I feel a lot of it is just due to the complexity of how someone can commit a murder. And this one was actually a double murder in broad daylight and they didn't get caught. And people were actually home at the time. There were neighbors that were out and about. The neighborhood was active and just nobody saw anything. Well, if they did see something, they weren't coming forward with it. Um, I'm actually really excited about this episode, also about um, just about this case, because it's one that I know a lot about. I've actually read up on it a lot. I've studied it a lot. I've watched multiple documentaries. I've read multiple books. And even researching it this go-round, I found some new information. So that was exciting for me. Um, And I know there's a lot of factors that go into solving crimes and substantial evidence plays a major part. But some cases, even when the answer seems cut and dry and right in front of you, that's not always the case um, or the way that it ends. So this creepy case has been one that I've been obsessed with from a young age, and one that became a media sensation when two people were brutally murdered with an axe in their home, which is now a museum and a bed and breakfast, 
in the middle of the afternoon. Not much evidence was found, if any real concrete evidence was actually found. Only one suspect was ever tried, but was quickly acquitted, leaving the murders still unsolved to this day and one of the most famous unsolved murder cases. This is the creepy case and spooky space of the Lizzie Borden murders and the Lizzie Borden murder house. Lizzie Borden took an axe, gave her mother 40 wax. When she saw what she had done, she gave her father 41. I'm sure we all know this old rhyme. It's highly inaccurate, but it's one of the many things that came from the grisly crime that skyrocketed Sunday school teacher Lizzie Borden to fame on August 4th, 1892. Now, when most hear the name Lizzie Borden, they connect her to the murders, which she was acquitted of, her stepmother Abby, and her father Andrew. But who was Lizzie? She was born on July 19, 1860, in Fall River, Massachusetts, to Sarah and Andrew Borden. Her mother, Sarah, died when she was young, and her father went on to remarry Abby Gray. Andrew was a bank president and a successful businessman, both in manufacturing and real estate development. Now, Lizzie and her older sister, Emma, despised Abby, thinking that she just wanted Andrew's money and often referred to her as Mrs. Borden. And they argued quite often. When the girls became adults, they just didn't agree with their father on some of the financial matters. And Emma was protective of Lizzie and together they helped manage rental properties owned by Andrew. The family was well known in the Congregationalist Church, which Lizzie was particularly involved in. She was a Sunday school teacher, and she did a lot of work around the community. On August 4th, 1892, the quiet town of Fall River, Massachusetts was stunned to hear of the gruesome double murder. Andrew and his wife, Abby, were both bludgeoned to death with an axe. It started out as any other day in the Borden household. The family maid, Bridget Sullivan, prepared breakfast for Andrew and Abby while Lizzie was still sleeping upstairs. Emma was at a friend's house. A little while later, Andrew headed into town while Abby went to straighten up the guest room where Lizzie's uncle had occupied the evening before. It's been said that the home was more on edge than usual. The overwhelming heat and the fact that the entire family had fallen ill recently and were just getting over it. Abby suspected foul play of some kind, but Andrew may have been widely respected, but he did have a few who weren't too fond of him. She felt someone had poisoned them 
But according to the investigation into the contents of their stomach post-mortem, it seems that they had just eaten some contaminated meat and the family contracted food poisoning. Now, later that afternoon, upon Andrew's return, he inquired where Abby had gone, and Lizzie said that Mrs. Borden had left the home as she received a note about a sick friend. Andrew thought nothing of it and sat down on the sofa for a nap, while Bridget, who still wasn't feeling the greatest, went up to take a nap in her room. Another account of the story actually says Bridget was outside washing windows when Andrew came home. Now, just before noon, only about 30 minutes after he had arrived, Bridget hears a blood-curdling scream. It was coming from Lizzie, distraught in the living room. She had found her father's body, his head beaten in, almost split in two. He was struck 11 times with an axe. The wounds were so extensive, he was unrecognizable. One of his eyes had been cut in half, and his nose was completely severed. Sullivan fled the home to fetch a doctor, leaving a hysterical Lizzie in the parlor. Her screams had been heard by neighbors who phoned police, and a crowd had begun to form. Our creepy case will return after a few words from our sponsors. Upon asking about Abby, Lizzie told the same story. She had gone to see a sick friend. Bridget and local doctor Seabury Bowen returned to the home and Bridget went to see if Abby was upstairs. She found her lying face down in a pool of her own blood. She had been struck 19 times. Abby's blood was dark and congealed, leading the doctor to assume that she was killed first. But who killed them? Emma, as stated, was out of town visiting friends, so she was immediately ruled out. Bridget's story of washing windows ruled her out, but then she claimed to be upstairs napping, so that kind of throws you off a little bit as well. But while police didn't immediately suspect 32-year-old Lizzie, as she was a Sunday school teacher from a very respected family, she wasn't their prime suspect. But when her story changed and a few details caught the inspector's attention. Lizzie first claims that she was out in the barn at the time Andrew was murdered. She first said that she was looking for something. But then later on she stated that she was eating pears. Maybe she was doing both. Well... When she was asked about her mother, Lizzie made it very clear that Abby was her stepmother, not her real mother. And according to police, she had motive. Andrew, 
supposedly, was going to change his will to add Abby, and Lizzie wasn't happy about this, and it seemed to make her bitter and jealous towards Abby. Lizzie gave another statement that she was in the barn, which made her story seem unreliable. A hatchet with a newly broken handle was found in the cellar by Fall River Police, but it had been cleaned of any evidence. And of course, being the time that this was, forensics weren't exactly what they are today, so it wasn't likely that they could just send it off to the lab for testing. Lizzie became police's main and really their only suspect, but they just didn't have enough evidence to convict her. She was arrested and charged on August 11th. Now sure, she had unsuccessfully tried to buy poison the day before the murders, claiming that she was putting an edge on a sealskin cape, but this was also found to be unreliable witness statement in court. And she had been seen burning a dress a few days later, which she claims had been ruined with paint, and Emma had actually told her to burn the dress because it was no longer wearable. Now, witnesses actually reported seeing a man snooping around the property earlier that day. And since we know that Abby was killed early on, could someone have snuck into the house, murdered Abby while she was cleaning the guest room, and then waited somewhere in the home for Andrew to return? Now, we've heard of this happening before. There was actually a um, case that I actually covered um, in season one called the 1912 Villisca Axe Murders. And there's actually a theory that goes around that the murders could be linked as they're kind of similar. And you can actually revisit the details of that case in season one, episode 32. It was multiple murders, no witnesses, not much evidence. And the there's a theory that the murderer actually was hidden in the home before the family returned. And that's how it was so easy to murder the entire family. Now, what about Andrew's brother? Could he have been the strange man? And he was visiting because he had slept there the night before. But then also, Andrew had an illegitimate son named William. And maybe the neighbors didn't know him. And could he be the one who was kind of snooping around the home? During her 1893 trial, the case against her quickly fell apart. Most of the evidence was circumstantial, and also, how could she have killed her dad, cleaned herself up, changed, and been back to scream in less than 30 minutes? She would have been covered in blood or wet from showering, bathing, and getting the blood off of her. Some say that they claim she could have been naked while committing the murders, but that's just a ludicrous reach to me. 
and it just I mean she would still have blood in her hair and she would have had to wash her hair so she once again would have been wet and her motive about money was quickly quashed when Andrew's lawyer claimed that Andrew didn't have a will the defense proved the burned dress was a faded dress that was paint-stained and, as we said, Emma was actually the one who told Lizzie to burn it. And burning trash was actually their normal method of getting rid of it. Witnesses also testified that they saw Lizzie leaving the barn at the time of the murders would have been taken place. Well, not both murders, but the murder of Andrew. It would have been the same time as that. The jury found her not guilty, and she was acquitted of all charges. The courtroom cheered, while a lot of people think she should have never been tried in the first place. Now, sadly, even though she was acquitted, Lizzie found herself ostracized by the town, and Emma and Lizzie actually moved out of the family home to a little bit nicer part of the neighborhood. And they lived there together until 1904 when Lizzie, who was going by Lisbeth at the time, met an actress named Nance O'Neill. Emma didn't approve of their relationship and many thought that they were lovers. And two years later, Emma moved out. And from what I hear, She and Lizzie never really spoke again. Lizzie Borden died in 1927 at the age of 67, taking anything she knew, if anything at all, with her to the grave. We'll return to our spooky space after a few words from our sponsors. Do you smell that? The fairies must be whipping up something amazing over at the Wiccan Fae Candle Nook. The custom layered candles are a must for all candle lovers. With your choice of three scents, you can create your very own garden soiree or Sunday yummy Sunday. With names like Bitch Slap Blue, Chill the Fuck Out, and even the new Creepy Cases and Spooky Spaces scent line, you are bound to find something for everyone. So right now, when you mention the code CREEPYSPOOKY, you'll get 10% off your first order. So head on over to pizzaandpigtails.com and click the shop link up in the left-hand corner and get your very own Wiccan Fae candles today. So, for us true crime enthusiasts, sleuths, and paranormal investigators, we are in luck. Well, those of us who can get to Fall River, Massachusetts, that is. But one day I will. (laughs) The home that the murders took place in is now actually a museum and a bed and breakfast and is open to the public. It's almost like you're being transported back to the 1800s. 
The decor is not the original furniture, but the near replicas give the home a super chilling feel. You have a tour guide who takes you room to room, giving details and facts about the home, the family, and of course, the murders. You're allowed to explore and they actually encourage photography. You can even lie on the settee and replicate the crime scene if you have a dark personality, such as I do. The home is a hotbed for paranormal activity, and I can definitely believe it with all of the history surrounding it. So, one tour guide actually says that they have been touched by unseen hands, almost as if someone is trying to warn them about something. They say it's kind of urgent and very, uh, just tap, 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 tap. One guide said that they were preparing for a tour and they felt someone tugging on their shirt, only for the tugging to stop when they stepped away from the area. And could it be that someone was trying to warn them of danger? Maybe so that they wouldn't get attacked with an axe as well? Guests and employees have actually heard whispers in their ear, and some have heard children giggling in the attic, which makes me wonder if there were any children who died in the home or on the property, um, maybe even before the house was built, or if there's another dark secret that we don't know about connected to the Bordens. If you stay overnight, you're given a more in-depth tour of the home with each suspect kind of looked at more closely and um, you actually get more details and just all kinds of really cool little tidbits and facts and uh, which I'm definitely going to do that. It's been on my bucket list forever. And um, as I stated in my last episode, uh, I don't know if it's really like a new year's resolution, uh, but more of a plan. I definitely wanna take more adventures this year. So maybe I'll actually get to cross off some of those bucket list uh, entries. And um, maybe the Lizzie Borden will be a destination this year. Um, So after your tour, you're welcome to kind of retire to one of the bedrooms. And the most requested is actually the room where Abby was murdered. And um, I'm not sure if there's a reason for that uh, besides the fact that she was murdered there. uh, Because I kind of wonder, like, if it's also the, like, one of the rooms with the most activity which I think that it probably is just because the other rooms, uh, I don't know if they would be as active. And uh, nobody has really ever said it, but I also kind of wonder if Lizzie or Emma have ended up in the home because um, I know it's been said that if you leave a few coins on the nightstand or toys, for the children, the spirits will actually leave you alone. Uh, But then what's the fun in that? I'm kind of one of those people where when I go to a haunted place, I kind of want the spirits to come out and engage with me. But yeah, I hear that Andrew Borden has been seen around the home. Abby Borden has been seen around the home and obviously the children's giggles. 
but nobody's really ever mentioned if Lizzie has been uh, recognized or seen or or Emma. So I'm actually, or even the maid, Bridget. Um, I'm actually kind of curious about that. So uh, if you have stayed in the home or if you've been to this museum and you can give some really cool insight, please, please, please send me a message. Uh, you can do it right through the messaging uh, tab on the Anchor, like the podcast webpage here on Anchor. You can shoot me a message on Facebook or Instagram, creepycases.spookyspaces. Or you can send me an email at creepycases.spookyspaces at gmail.com. I love hearing from people who have firsthand experiences um, about the, uh, with the spooky spaces that I cover. So if you have any cool tidbits or any facts and things like that about the Lizzie Borden murder house, I would love to hear them. So until next crime... That's all I have for you today. Creepy Cases and Spooky Spaces is a Pizza and Pigtails production. Writing, recording, and editing done by yours truly, along with Pizza and Pigtails Productions. You can find new episodes every Friday with bonus episodes coming out every other Tuesday. Follow along on Facebook and Instagram at creepycases.spookyspaces for all future news and updates. Don't forget to subscribe to Patreon or Anchor for access to bonus episodes, early access to episodes, and much more. And if you have a creepy case or a spooky space that you would like featured on the podcast, shoot me an email at creepycases.spookyspaces at gmail.com.